Good evening. How is everyone? Y'all doing well? Um, I am a Georgia Bulldogs fan by God's grace. Um, well, for, say it while you can. Dogs are coming. Um, uh, like, like Seth said, yeah, or not Seth, Justin. I've been all over. I know Justin well. He's a good friend. He can handle it. Um, I've been at New Life Church since 2009. My voice is thrashed. So pray tomorrow I can talk at all. But I'm excited to be with you all tonight. Um, I love Elevation. I actually attended this ministry when I was in college. And, uh, you know, there's a legacy in my life. And one of the things that I learned in this ministry is that if you build God's house, God will build your house. You know, at this phase in your life, I know a lot of you guys are wondering what's your future? What's God going to do in you? Where's God going to take you? And, and here's what I want to tell you. If you invest in the things that Jesus cares about, you'll, you'll never have needs. You'll never lack for what he wants to do in you. And listen, God hasn't called all of you to full-time vocational ministry, but God has called you all to be priests in the house. It says in the book of Revelation that God is building a kingdom of priests. Isn't that, isn't that wild? Think about that. Each one of you, with all of your flaws and all of your failures, God wants to be a minister of the gospel. That's good news. Can I get an amen, somebody? Now, come on. You can do better than that. Can I get an amen? For God has called you to build his kingdom. Y'all, y'all that's amazing. Okay, so last week, uh, last weekend, I was up in uh, Fayetteville. Has anybody ever, ever been up to Fayetteville? It's a cool town, great church up there. <laughs> Uh, in, in the book of Acts, there's a story, one of my favorite stories is about Philip. Y'all know what Philip did? Anybody? That dude teleported, okay? It's one of the craziest things in the scripture. Go read it. Philip, he teleports so that he can evangelize. Y'all, I, I teleported last weekend. Seth Tamboli is a witness. I teleported to the 1990s, okay? Uh, I went to drop Seth off. We hung out uh, at the Airbnb that I was at. And I went to drop Seth off and I didn't bring my cell phone. And I'm not from Fayetteville, I'm not familiar with Fayetteville, so guess what? I got lost on the way home. And I got so lost, I pulled up to an empty cop car to ask for directions, okay? And by God's grace, I made it all the way back to Seth's house, knock on the door, he's asleep, all right? And so I'm like, I can ring his doorbell, but I'm gonna wake all his kids up. And I didn't wanna be that guy, so I went across the street, his worship pastor's name, Andrew Richmond. Uh, <laughs> the TV was on at his house, so I went and knocked on the door. They didn't answer, and he had a ring like, you know, doorbell thing. So I've kind of bent over and was like, hey, it's me. You know, they didn't answer. And so I go back to Seth's house, wake his whole family up, wake his kids up, all that stuff. And about the time he comes outside, we see Andrew come out of his house, like holding his hip, looking around, right? He was in there while, while I was knocking on the door. This dude was getting locked and loaded, but here's why. <laughs> That's what he saw. <laughs> like just straight up Ted Bundy vibes, okay? Um, Here's, here's my family. Jump to the next one. Um, yeah, that's my wife, my daughter, Georgia. Come on. And uh, my twin boys, that's Roman up top, and that's Judah down low. Uh, our, our, our quiver is full. Um, well, here's what, I'm, here's what I'm here to do. Pastor Justin has asked me to bridge the gap between what he taught last week about waiting, right? Whose favorite thing to do is wait? I, I hate, I cannot wait for a package to be delivered, okay? I will track the truck. I'll tell them I have medical supplies on it and I need it right now. That's how your boy is wired. Uh, but this week, we're gonna look at chapter two and the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
and the power and authority that that, that gives to the church. And so uh, Acts is written by who? Luke. Luke also wrote. Luke. We got some Bible scholars in here. That's good. He told me you were smart. Uh, So Luke is the life and mission of Jesus. Acts is the life and the mission of the followers of Jesus. The message of the book of Acts is that God has filled his people with his spirit and he sent us out as his ambassadors to every corner of the earth to spread his message, to build his kingdom for the redemption and the renewal of a world that he desperately loves. That is the message of the book of Acts. That is what God has called us to do. And y'all, what our world is desperate for is answers. We're gonna talk about this here in a little bit, but the problem can come is when the church is either not answering the questions that the world is asking or becomes irrelevant to the world that we live in. Y'all, what, what I'm convinced of, the older I get, the more, and the more I study, the more I'm convinced that the answers for our society live within the Word of God. That God has answers for the social issues that we're going through, the economic issues that we're going through, and definitely the crisis of addiction and all those different things that we have. I believe that God's word has answers. And so in this series, we're studying the nature of the early church, uh, what moved them from being a ragtag group of marginalized people to being the most powerful movement the world has ever seen. It's not their education, right? It's not finances. What we're going to look at today is what it is. And the truth is, is that what we'll see is that in the book of Acts and every time throughout history, when the essence of Christianity has totally been understood, it's been transformative for the society that people live in. Y'all, this is the goal, is for us to transform our world with the power and the love of Jesus. Can I get an amen, somebody? But it starts with me. Can everybody say it starts with me? So how did this group change the world? Here's my thesis. The Holy Spirit empowers us to move in God's timing and to work in God's power and to live in such a way that causes people to ask questions for which the gospel of Jesus is the answer. I've got Keely uh, here with me. Come on, y'all, give it up for Keely. And she's about to read the word, but y'all, what I want to do is I, I want to stand to our feet for a moment. I want to honor the word of God with our posture. Y'all, this is the most powerful moment. Listen to me. This is the most powerful moment of the entire service. We're about to read God's word. Like I'm about to try to interpret God's word, but this is God's word. And so let's take a moment. Let's read. It's going to be up on the screens. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 1 through 17. So Keely's going to read this for us. When y'all get there, say, I'm here. <laughs> Period. Okay. On the day of the Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone was present, filled with the Holy Spirit, and began speaking in other languages. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability, at that time there were devout Jews from every, li- every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all over, from all over Galilee, and yet we hear their languages. Here we are, Perithians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, 
Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we are all he, we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other, but others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward, the, the other 11 disciples, apostles, and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These are people, people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon your people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it's powerful. God, that it's effective. God, that you speak to us through it. God, I pray that This evening, God, you'd speak to us. God, our ears are wide open. Our hearts are open. God, we believe that you're creator of all things. You sent Jesus to redeem all things, and you sent the Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, you can take a seat. Um, Thank you, Tyler. I'll see you in like 15, 20 minutes. Okay. Um, This summer, uh, I I went to God's country, uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Has anybody ever been to Charleston? Charleston is one of the most beautiful cities in the South, okay? There's Spanish moss. My sister lives in this ridiculous neighborhood. I had to guard my heart while we were there. They have like golf carts they drive around in. They have a little neighborhood pool. Not only that, they have like a put-in into a saltwater tributary, okay, where they can go catch fret crabs and shrimp and fish. It's just a ridiculous life, okay? So I took my family. I've got my daughter, my two boys, my wife. We went there. And uh, Georgia had the time of her life, okay? I'm just telling you. She had the time of her life. And so we're out there. There's a water balloon fight going on, you know, one of those types of situations. And I look over, and my daughter is drinking out of a bird bath, okay? She's lapping. My three-year-old daughter is drinking out of a bird bath like a dog, okay? And so she didn't have to. Uh, we had given her Capri Suns, right? They were sitting on the golf cart, but she chose to go over and lap out, lap out of this bird bath. And then I go inside with her and I find her in the bathroom. Y'all, you cannot make this stuff up with kids. She had found a medicine cup that she was using as a shot glass and she was taking shots of toilet water in my, in my sister's house. And I'm like, listen, baby girl is a survivor, okay? Now there was water on the counter, She's a survivor, but we got to work on her standards. Y'all, the truth is we laugh, but don't we all do this? We have truth sources. We have places to go find the answers that we need, but yet we go drink out of toilets for answers. We go to horoscopes to learn about our futures. We go to the Enneagram to learn about our identities. We go to Instagram influencers to learn about the good life. And here's the truth. We often settle for influence and popularity when we have been offered power. I'm going to say that again. We settle for influence and popularity when we have been offered the power of God. And the question we have to ask ourselves is why? I believe it goes back to what Pastor Justin taught on last week. We don't want to wait. We don't want to wait for it. Whatever it is, we do not want to wait. 
So why did they have to wait? Let's touch on this from last week just to recap. Uh, Justin asked this question. How did a group of 120, a group about this size, uneducated, marginalized people living under Roman occupation come to become the dominant people group on the planet within 200 years? How? They were transformed by the Holy Spirit. They received power from the Holy Spirit. Peter went from being full of pride. That dude was an idiot, all right? Like, go read the Gospels. You read that stuff and it's like, Peter, don't cut people's ears off, right? That's bad, right? To being shockingly humble, if you read the books of the Bible that he wrote. John went from being a son of thunder to authoring some of the most profound teachings on living a life of love ever written. They preached with real authority and real humility. They healed the sick, they preached the gospel, and they pioneered the greatest movement the world has ever seen that we're still a part of today, the church of Jesus. What we see here in Acts is a people of prayer, patiently waiting for the power of God. Point number one, the Holy Spirit equips us when we slow down and we pray. We're not gonna pull for this text from this, but we're gonna look at the life of Jesus here in a moment to, to help us understand what's happening here. So the, the mark of a true believer is someone who can prayerfully wait while trusting God is still working. Here's the truth. Spiritual power comes when we yield, Justin talked about this last week, to God's timing. Authority comes when we honor the order that God gave us, right? Authority comes when we honor the order that God gave us. It's like for me, I have a saying all the time, like I honor the wave I rode in on, okay? That's Pastor Rick and the pastors of this church. Yo, listen, can I tell you the truth? Do I agree all the time with everything we do? No, but I honor and I respect, why? Because they've broken ground. I'm standing on their shoulders. I wouldn't be where I, where I am without the work that they've done. Young people, friends, can I call you that, young people? I'm starting to feel old, I got three kids. Young people, Justin, listen to me. Honor brings authority. Understanding biblical order. You're gonna see at the end of the book of Acts that uh, Paul disrespects the high priest without realizing it while they're putting him on trial for spreading the gospel. And he says, I'm sorry, I didn't realize who I was speaking to. And he treated him with honor. Honor brings authority. That's for free. That's not even in my notes. Do you wanna know the secret strategy to the greatest movement the world has ever seen. Prayer, unhurried, trusting prayer. Right now with the men of our church, uh, I pray with them at 6 a.m. every Wednesday. I call it stoking the fire, okay? Nathan's there, it's awesome, all right? If you wanna start a men's ministry, I'll tell you what you don't do is do a prayer ministry. <laughs> men do not wanna come together and pray. But here's what I'm convinced of. The world doesn't need smarter men. The world doesn't need more intelligent people. The world needs people of depth. And the way that we become those people is that we mind down in prayer and we connect to the heart of God. You know, Jesus was a person of deep prayer. Jesus loved the quiet place. You know, our call is to become disciples or apprentices of Jesus. What does that mean? Yo, know, to be a Christian doesn't just believe that we're going to heaven one day. Everybody knows that, right? That's not Christianity. That's belief. The, the scripture says that the demons have belief. The call is to have faith. When we have faith, we entrust ourselves to the object of our faith. So if we're gonna be followers and disciples of Jesus, that means we entrust our lives to learn from the master in the way that he lived. Listen, if you wanna become a master electrician, what do you do? 
you study and you apprentice under a master electrician, right? You want to become a master woodworker. You apprentice under a master woodworker. If you want to become a great human being, you apprentice under the author of life. You apprentice under Jesus. This is what we have been called to do. So let's look quickly at the temptation of Jesus in Luke 4. We're going to look at the source of Jesus' spiritual power. Then we're going to jump into Acts chapter 2. I promise you we're getting there. 16 minutes in, we're not even to the text. Lord, help me. Luke chapter 4. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to describe it to you. You can go back and read it later. You should test this, okay? The devil is tempting Jesus. And after a month and a half, 40 days, a month and a half of fasting and total solitude, he was in a desolate place. He had no food, no water, just prayer and solitude. And the scripture says Jesus was hungry. (laughs) It's like one of the biggest understatements in the Bible. It's like, and Jesus was hungry. It's like, yeah. You think. And then it says the devil came to tempt Jesus. So I've always read this like the devil came in when Jesus was weak. But over the past few years, I've realized I'm reading this wrong. Here's what the devil misunderstood. And for what most of my Christian life, I misunderstood. When the devil walked into this situation, he was in Jesus' arena. He was hungry, but he was full of the Spirit. The wilderness, the place of prayer and fasting for Jesus was not a place of weakness. It was a place of strength. Yo, if we want spiritual power, we have to be people of patient prayer. Why? We're going to dig into this. Jesus had just spent 40 days in prayer and deep communion with God. Physically, he was hungry, but spiritually, he was as strong as he could possibly be. If you are really honest, where do you go for strength? Do you go to God? What do you reach for when you're at your end? It could be self-confidence, looking in the mirror and reminding yourself of all that you've done, right? Could be substances or sex to try to bring you peace. Could be going to others to try to fill the gaps that we all feel, our insecurities. Jesus was tempted in all the ways we we are, but look what he did. The devil tempted him to satisfy his flesh. He said, turn these stones into bread and eat. Jesus said, I am sustained by God's word. And when I'm at the end of myself, Jesus said, I don't go to food, I go to God. Tempted him to satisfy his ego. He said, worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus said, I won't compromise and give up my allegiance for success. He says, I worship the Lord God alone no matter the timeline. The devil said, satisfy your insecurities. Throw yourself from the temple so people will know that you are God's son. Jesus said, I will not put God to the test to prove to me what he's already promised me. How could he live like this? And how can we? He cultivated a deep life of prayer and patient yielding to his father. Listen, we are all tempted to shortcut God's timing, especially when tragedy strikes. So question, where are you most tempted to shortcut God's timing? and rob yourself of spiritual power. Could be an opportunity. Could be a temptation. Could be a relationship you're jumping into. It could be compromising your integrity to get what you want now instead of what God has planned for you in the future. How do we patiently wait when everything seems hopeless? We remember what God has done. Now, when Christ had faced down all these things, look at what it says, and then we're gonna jump into our text. Luke 4 13 through 14, it says, when the devil had finished all, these tempt, all this tempting, he left until an opportune time. 
And Jesus returned to Galilee in what? In the power of the Spirit. And the news about him spread throughout the countryside. You know, in order for us to walk in the power of the Spirit, we have to be emptied of ourselves. Our selfish ambition, our self-glorifying empire building, and we have to be filled with love, transformative, selfless love. This is what happens when we slow down and we walk with the Spirit. This is the constant work of the believer. Another way of saying this is we have to constantly say no to our flesh and say yes to the Spirit. Y'all still with me? Point number two, the Holy Spirit empowers us to do with God what we could never do on our own. Last week, Acts 1.8, this is, this is the table of contents for the book of Acts. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses telling me, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, let's unpack the gravity of what we're about to unpack. <laughs> okay, before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit only rested on people for brief periods. A common example is Samson in the book of Judges. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he broke the ropes that Delilah tried to bind him with. Are you all familiar with that story? All right. The Spirit of the Lord also came upon him and he tore a lion limb from limb. All right, I want that spirit, right? Like, I want the, like, ripping lions apart uh, power of God. What Jesus had promised them, and one of the worship leaders referenced this earlier, and what we've just read about is something that's literally earth-shaking. Y'all, Christ was God living among us. The Holy Spirit is God dwelling in us. Just let the gravity of that, like, God who spoke and the universe came into being. The God who designed us, the God who knows everything, wants to dwell and live in us and lead us and guide us and speak to us and empower us to live the life of love and true freedom that he's called us to. More on that in a minute. This is how I like to read the Bible. Anytime I read the Bible, I'm like, I want to think about, like, I want to look at, under every rock. Like, I want to know what it smelled like. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so just think about this. A room with about 120 people similar to this, just like ours, they're in there, they're praying, and imagine this room starts shaking, right? And like a powerful wind is blowing through the room, and then fire comes into the room, and all of a sudden fire starts resting on each of us, and we're all like, oh my gosh, something is happening, right? Like something's going on. And all of a sudden, we start speaking in languages we do not know and we could not know. I heard we have some exchange students in the room. Where, where are y'all from? Could you yell it out? Where? Japan? Is that what you said? Nice. Okay, I lived in Hong Kong for a little while. It's not Japan. But I thought maybe y'all were going to say Asia. I'm pumped on it. So I lived in Hong Kong. Y'all, learning Cantonese or Japanese. Imagine if all of a sudden you started speaking Japanese so clearly they could understand you in your native tongue. It's unbelievable. It's inconceivable. Let's drive it deeper. Galileans notoriously ha had a, a dialect that made it almost impossible for them to speak other languages with clarity. They had something called a swallowed sound. Here's what I want you to notice. The first act of the Holy Spirit and Spirit-filled believers was to enable people to do something they could never do on their own so that people who were far from God could hear the gospel of grace could be captivated by Jesus and their lives could be transformed. 
You'll so often when we think about the Holy Spirit, if we're honest, I gotta be, I gotta be gracious and gentle with this. We're focused on self-expression. We're not as focused on mission. But what we see is that when the Holy Spirit moves on the church the first time, it's for the spreading of the gospel and it's for the glory of Jesus. What blew these people's minds is that people were doing something they could not do. You know, God will use each of us as individuals to do things that will change our lives and change the lives of the people around us if we will yield to God and trust him. Listen, that person that you know that is so far from God, you've had times where you're like, he might be the Antichrist or maybe Satan. Like, I'm not sure. (laughs) That person, come on, who has hurt you deeply, who has wounded you, God is totally capable of empowering you to reach that person. If you'll pray, you'll wait, and you'll walk in the greatest power the world has ever seen, the power to love. Here's the truth. You probably will not reach that person with your crystal clear gospel presentation, but you may well reach that person by the way you love them, the way you believe in them, the way you keep showing up for them. When everybody else runs away, you run towards them. The way you sacrifice for them, y'all. I've lived this, I've seen it. I can testify to it. When I was 18 years old, my my story, I don't have time to get into all of it, um, was that I had a drug addiction. I got caught up in the pain pill epidemic that's still ravaging our world. We have a men's rehab at our church because of it. And by God's grace, I got clean. I'm gonna tell you a little bit more of that story in a minute. But I I wanna focus on on one thing that happened when I was 18. I had a family member who's still stuck in addiction. And when I went home to Augusta, Georgia to see him, um, we didn't know how bad it was. And so I jumped in the car with this person. This is a person who was supposed to uh, protect me and care for me as an adult in my life. And I jumped in the car with them and boom, they took off like a shot. And I could tell something just wasn't right. You ever been in a situation like that? He drove me out to the middle of nowhere, parked the car, pulled a gun out of his shirt, stuck it in my face, Colt 1911. And he said, you betrayed me. If you ever betray me again, I'll kill you. And if you ever tell anybody about this, I'll kill your mother, kill your sisters. It's just crazy. And it just broke something inside of me. I wonder if you ever had something like that where you experience trauma or pain, y'all thank God for counseling. Can I get an amen from somebody? So I went through months actually of counseling and actually relapsed during this process. And it was actually during that that I finally got set free from drug addiction. I was talking to a buddy of mine and this is just what you're told in recovery. I just said, man, I'm an addict. I'm always gonna be an addict. He looked me in my eyes. He said, you're not an addict. You're God's son with whom he's well pleased. And y'all, something just clicked for me. I was like, this is not who I am. And I had a moment, it's like I could hear the change at the floor. And you know what the first thing that week, the Holy Spirit started stirring me up to do was to forgive that person. And not just forgive that person, but to go to them and to reconcile. So I went to my pastors, I went to counsel. 
<clears throat> we prayed together, we fasted together, and everybody got peace. And y'all, I got to set up a meeting with a person who'd hurt me deeper than anybody had ever hurt me. I got to stand on the porch. And he came out, and when he saw me, he just broke. And we hugged each other, and I said, I love you, and I forgive you. And I know what you did to me it wasn't you. It was the disease. It was your addiction. Y'all, a week later, I got to take him to rehab. Started walking with Jesus. He's still got issues. But here's what I want to tell you. That is something I am incapable of in and of myself. But y'all, if we will walk with God, he will empower you to do things you could never do on your own for the glory of God and for the sake of others. You'll find peace and you'll find freedom. The Holy Spirit enables us to live in a way that's impossible on our own but at the same time brings God the most glory possible. Yo, here's what I've learned. The Holy Spirit empowers us to become all that a human being was meant to be. And if we do that, it will cause people to ask questions. My last point is this. The Holy Spirit enables us to live in such a way that causes people to ask questions for which the gospel of Jesus is the answer. Verse 12, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. You know, the Holy Spirit enables us to live this life first through salvation and second through transformation, first through justification, second through sanctification. And you'll listen to me. You can do it. Y'all, most of you guys are 18 to 22. Fight the battles now. Y'all, the stuff you're battling, go no holds barred. Because I'm telling you, what our world needs is people who live differently. And y'all, I'm telling you, you can do it. The gospel is not just the minimum requirement to get you into heaven, although there is that. It is the very power of God to change your life today. And as you do that, you become a walking, breathing testimony of God's glory and God's grace. And he will invite you into a life of purpose that you never could have dreamed of. Yo, God created us. And when we fell, God put together a rescue plan. He put something in motion. And he sent us Jesus to live a life we could never live, to die a death we deserve, to be raised in glory so that we could live a life of love and of meaning and of purpose. And you know what the great thing about it is? When our life of purpose is through, it's not over. We will reign for eternity as kings and priests in the new heavens and the new earth. We're not gonna go float around wearing diapers, okay? That's Platoism. That is not Christianity. God is restoring and he's rebuilding and he has built you for purpose. And I'm telling you, he can transform your life if you let him. The power of God is never more evident than in a transformed life. And this is the exact same thing we see in Peter. This is my story. And listen, this can be your story. I've got a quote for you from a guy named John Stott. We're about to wrap up. It says this. It says, but can human nature be changed? Is it possible to make a sour person sweet, a proud person humble, or a selfish person unselfish? The Bible declares emphatically 
that these miracles can take place. It's a part of the glory of the gospel. Jesus Christ offers to change not only our standing before God, but our very nature. This tremendous inward change is the work of the Holy Spirit. Here's my question for you. Have you received this tremendous inward change? Like if you had a day where you woke up and you just had steel in your veins, like you had ice water in your veins. I remember for me, uh, I was 17. It was the year before that other thing happened. Um, I, was, I was in Charleston, South Carolina, ironically enough, and I was with my cousin. And I had a revelation through a conversation that the devil had a plan for my life and that God had a plan for my life. And I was so twisted up in the things that the enemy had planned for me that I couldn't even see who God had intended for me to be. And that night, this is weird. I'm gonna share a weird story with you. <laughs> weird guy, I guess. I had, I had three basic fears. One, I hated being dirty. Anybody like that? It took like three showers a day. And I'm telling you, the first thing I felt like God was asking me to do was to rub stinking beach sand all over myself. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I'll do it. So I do it. And I had an addiction problem. And so I felt like God was asking me to throw my cigarettes in the ocean, which was littering. But, you know, he's God. He can handle it. And I felt like the Lord said, jump into the water. This is like 2 a.m. I'm terrified of sharks. That's my third core fear, sharks. And I turned to my cousin. I said, will you go with me? He says, I will. And I jumped in there. Y'all, sand washed off me and the peace of God landed on me. Something I'd never experienced before. Y'all listen. What I didn't realize is through my addiction to pornography, that was way beneath the surface. Didn't realize what an issue that was to drug addiction, to relationships with girls, all that stuff. You know what I was seeking? Peace. And y'all, in that moment, I received a peace that didn't just last one night. I received a peace that's still with me 16 years later. And y'all, here's what I want to tell you. I woke up that next morning. I still had battles. I still had stuff I was fighting, but I was changed. That is what the Holy Spirit does within us. And y'all tonight, listen, we come from all different backgrounds, all different places, y'all. The Holy Spirit is not some weird, freaky thing. I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it is the most natural thing you've ever experienced. It's like this was what I was made for because you were. And so what we're gonna do tonight is we're just gonna take a moment. We're gonna have a simple prayer. Just open our hands and we're going to say, come Holy Spirit, I invite you in to lead me and to guide me and to show you how you want me to live. So I've got two questions for you. As I've been mumbling and straining through this sermon, has there been anything God's been speaking to you? It could have been an aside, it could have been a one-off thing that just grabbed your mind, grabbed your heart. Anything God's speaking to you? And if he's speaking to you, what are you going to do about it? God.
God has done the ultimate work, but he's called us to partner with him in action. Amen. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. Worship.